Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. Well, I don't need to believe you were late this morning. I saw it happen. <laughs> you know what you know about growth mindset. You're all about the growth mindset, aren't you, Lou? So I'm told. Yeah. What about you, Vish? Uh, what would be the opposite of that? Being Shri- like a, um, kind of fixed. Yeah, shrink mindset. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I'm a shrink mindset kind yeah. of guy. Well, someone as tall as me was in goal yesterday. So yes! oh, everything's yeah. coming up five foot seven. Five foot seven is it? I would say that's my height. But you know, we'll get on to that. Yeah, we do need to get to the uh, to the games. Two great ones from the Afcon. But before we talk about them, um, very sadly, we need to talk about the fact that there seems to have been some loss of life um, outside the game between Cameroon and Comoros. Um, it's being reported that around eight, well, certainly eight fans and possibly more have lost their lives. Uh, in what's been called a stampede as as thousands of people tried to get access to the stadium. So many people injured as well. Um, the governor of Cameroon's central region says there may be more casualties. So really, really sad news to hear out of what's been fairly, you know, joyful tournament so far. And uh, that's all that's known at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely tragic, awful to see. And condolences, um to and commiserations of course sympathy to the family and friends of the people who've lost their lives and you know it is important to mention at this point when we're recording quite a difficult time for us to record and it's a still developing situation so we can't go into too much detail because the last thing we need is any misreporting on this but um yeah really really sad really tragic yeah very sad indeed um for now what we can do is is talk about the football and talk about the games that we watched last night so yeah. If it's all right with you guys, we'll 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 talk about this Cameroon against Comoros. In the end, the hosts won two one. But bloody hell, Comoros with their number three in goal. 
who is, as Vish rightly points out, five foot seven. Uh, they really. And you are that. not five foot seven, by the way. Let's just get that. Get that sort of You're a working five foot seven, though. I'm not working. He's a growth mindset five foot seven. No. Fish is 27, the same way the plumber around your house is going to be another 20 minutes. (laughs) It's like, it's an estimate, isn't it? And Fish, let me just put a five foot seven. I got measured the other day and I was five foot seven. Fish very much does not have his tools in the van. Look, but do you think it was either way? Them? It proves that the, this you know you could be a goalkeeper if you wanted to. So this is their left back, Chaka Al Hadha. Yeah. He played in goal. He made some great saves, and let's not forget as well they played. What would it have been? Eighty minutes, eighty-three minutes, minutes, 83 yeah. minutes uh, with ten men. Oh my God! Their captain Nadim Abdu got sent off after seven minutes. I, 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 so it's amazing that Kamara's got to this stage, and it's a really interesting story. And, and I think we've covered it on the show before now so we don't do that again but it's a shame that the, the circumstances dictated that they had to play the game in this in this manner yes I, I wonder if because you, you've mentioned five foot seven I wonder because clearly they've gone through some kind of process to select yeah, yeah. their coach just said who fancies it They yeah they said their coach said oh we in training we found someone who can play as a goalkeeper but do you think they factor this height in what no, you, so basically what it sounded... Would you rather, would you take... If, if, sorry, Fish, to cut in, but if, if you had a guy standing, he was 7 out of 10 at goalkeeping, yeah. would you take a 6 out of 10 who was 6 foot 2, is what I'm saying? Well, because you know what they say, I'm sure I've said this before, but I haven't been totally precise with the stats, it's something like 10% of the world's 7 foot 2 people that exist are yeah. playing in the NBA. So <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So That's actually, a really good fact. So actually, I need to check the percentage, but it's around 10%. Um, You're on the round. We don't check the percentages. Oh, thanks. Yeah, good point. Love <laughs> <laughs> a show tonight. People forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> right in. Yeah, um, yeah so, so does that answer your question to some degree? You probably would be better off picking the no, six out of 10 taller guy. Oh, Vish, what was your point? I don't think it answers this question. I think you just wanted to take that, put that, you know, put that yeah. fact yeah. out. That's yeah. okay. Does that not answer the question though? Because it can't be people are taking advantage of the height of those guys. Yeah, so well, no, height no. is more important than you otherwise might think based on that stat. So it yes. kind of does answer, half answer it. Yeah, yeah sort of. But the, the number of people who are above, you know, 6'6", six, six, uh, so much smaller than the people below 6'6". Six, six, and there'll be more people in football. I think we're getting bogged down. We are getting yeah. a little bit bogged down. You were going to say something earlier before I interrupted What I will say is that in... Um, in picking, the, they um, they were essentially doing picking someone from outside their starting eleven because they didn't want to disrupt the outfield. Fine, 10. that makes sense. And then, the pool was smaller. Yeah, yeah. and I, so I was talking to um, my partner about this. who plays football, and she was like, "It'd be really interesting to see a couple of things like command of box, which is a big thing, and also bravery." Mm. Because the thing that you know goalkeepers just naturally do is they'll just they'll just throw themselves at the feet of a striker. Yes. Yeah. I think I think he failed on the second <laughs> on the second one on the second goal where he kind of momentarily thought he was still playing defensive, oh, but his hands behind his back. Him. Yes, and, but- and stayed on his line. Which I'm not. And the thing is, I'm not criticising him because really for him doing this in in a, in a, in a I presume Major what is a mass- tournament. yeah, yeah a, a biggest incredible. game of Commerce's football team's career, an occasion of immense national History. pride. Yeah, yeah, of course. So he, he he's almost a free pass. Him if he's not going to start, right? But and he, and I thought he swept quite well on occasion. Well, as well. he did, yeah. He but came that, out. That showed the big gap between professional keeper and not goalkeeping enthusiast. I think Pep Guardiola enjoyed it personally, but I like the way how how high he was pushing up as well. He yeah, was, brilliant. He was, he was great with his feet. The uh, the double save. That's the least you expect. <laughs> the, how good was the double save? Not very good. No, exactly. <laughs> but. That made it even better. Yeah. The, the, the great thing about the double, people could say on paper that's a double save, right? But the second save was precipitated because the first save was so poor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
He threw himself after the first goal, the first uh, Cameroon goal. But again, it was it was a, the most I thought in a way the most indicative of the kind of professional versus amateur vibe because he sort of he did everything right kind of but he just didn't have the big hand. Yeah, it was technique. Almost, it was almost like um, a, a kind of a caricature of a goalkeeper. You can you can see what he's trying to do. Yeah, a lot of the stuff was greatly exaggerated and not at all in the textbook. Do you know what it reminded me of? Um, do you remember the disastrous cats film? Yes. Where yes. humans had to act like cats. Yeah. It looked a little bit like that. I can see what you mean. Yeah. You know, slightly, uh, slightly offering, a bit weird, a little bit sexy, not going to lie. <laughs> a lot to be taken from that. Um, also love the fact that he had to duct tape his number to the back of his shirt. I guess yes, he, he did. didn't have to do that, did he? I assume that was him just making a sort of... Well, no, he had because it's certainly a major tournament, isn't it? The fact that you have your designated squad number that... And you can't... You know, yeah. oh, that's what you mean. so yeah, so they couldn't reprint. Uh, I also, I also shirt. would like to um, just go back to something Kate mentioned about the, the sending off. I thought it was a little bit harsh, and the, the fact that Camoros were able to stay in the game for so long and actually give Cameroon something oh, to think so about. Oh, so impressive! Was great, and and and, and um, you know, Andrea Nana had to make more saves. Yeah, than um, than the than the Camoros goalkeeper, which tells its own story. Really, lots of people think he's one of the top goalkeepers in the world, right? No, I, I, th- and, I, th- and, I think he is, and as and given that. He- it just but really set this tone, there was didn't a, it? There was a great minute. It did. There was a great minute moment right at the start where Anana seemed to have spent so much time looking at the opposite goalkeeper <laughs> that he completely forgot how to goalkeep. And, yes, um, yes, yes. He made a terrible save. Yeah, really. And had odd. to be rescued by um, one of his defenders. Yeah. yeah. And guys, look, we've. We, I mean, sorry. I know we're focusing on Commerce, but we will talk more about Cameroon as they are still in the tournament. But what about that goal, Yusuf and Changama? What what a goal! What a way that to was, go out! I'm so happy that they scored. That was, I'm, I mean, I'm t- trying to choose my words carefully here. That was certainly one of the best free kicks I've ever seen. Amazing. I don't, I don't think I can't th- immediately think of a goal, a free kick that was definitely better than that. And that's that's the kind of that's the barometer, right? Yeah, yeah. The, there, so I've always had this theory that from free kicks around that far out, actually. You're better off without war because if the goalkeeper can only have so you can see more, yeah, if yeah. You, you can you know see more, you can react better. I still believe that because I think that was the exception to the rule because you have to hit it that perfectly mm. to get it in. Because if you see the angle from behind, behind the ball, it's right in the corner. Yeah, and there's a moment where it goes out of the frame of the goal. So Anana's basically got to dive and think. Well, and hope it's either going over, but if it's coming down, it needs to be that little bit closer to me. Otherwise. Yeah, I'm I'm fucked, and it was yeah perfect. I, I just I I spent all night watching that yesterday after the game. I think if you if you watch um and we encourage you to do yeah. the same. At yeah, home, yeah, that's not the most boring way you spent a night. I'm sure. I'm sure. No, no. no. Um, but it was it was incredible, and, and and I think I'm pleased that they got something to go away from the tournament to remember them by in a knockout stage of a, of a tournament, the first tournament they've ever qualified for. Oh, um, wow. They've particularly hard but done by not just by the um the COVID rules because that's just how they are, but also with that refereeing decision. Possibly fairly, possibly unfair. I don't know, um, but they were, the fact that they were able to stay in the game for so long against such a good team and against the host as well was 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 incredible. Well, you say that the the COVID rules are just how they are. I mean, they had changed mid tournament, and the fact is their goalkeeper as well had tested negative yeah. the day before, so it's like double their real goalkeeper. I mean, no disrespect yeah. to the number three, obviously. Yeah. But maybe he decides that he wants to be a goalkeeper now. Oh. Yeah, you never know. Oh. Got a little taste of the biscuit. <laughs> I, mean, I would I would recommend him doing that, by the way. But you know, I feel like you're rowing back on something sure quite a, positive. No, I'm sure uh, he's a great left back. I'm sure he's a great left back. <laughs> Come on, seven shots on target, 
So yeah, they, it wasn't like they were just trying to all sit in the box and hope for the best. Um, a good news story that continues to play out. The Gambia did make it through. They won 1-0 against Guinea. They are the lowest ranked team in the tournament. It's a sensational end to this one. Guinea hit the post twice in the space of five seconds. Uh, and there was an incredible save from Babaka Gaye. Oh yeah, that was a, that was that was probably the save of the tournament from what I've seen. That was absolutely incredible. That was unbelievable. That save, I couldn't believe he'd saved it. And when a goalkeeper saves something, a shot in that dramatic way, and it then hits the frame of the goal, it looks a lot better. Yes, it automatically yeah. looks like Jesus. That was really hard. I only just <laughs> saved that. Yeah, uh, which probably helped. But it was yeah, that was that was this was a good game as well. Um, I'm really pleased with the Gambia. Crazy that they're, they're they're they've got as far as they have. They're ranked 150th in the world. I know. Yeah, I, I really didn't see this coming. Like you know, Comoros, because of I suppose the, the size of them, you don't really. I know that obviously they've got quite a few players based in in France who play in the French leagues there and you think okay maybe they'll put something together but I don't really get how this is playing out the fact that Gambia are in in the quarterfinals now even yesterday they were properly up against it and had Conte not been well I mean obviously got sent off quite late on but it really felt like whatever indiscipline there was there Guinea couldn't quite make heads or tails of how they wanted to beat Gambia Mm. and they didn't yeah (laughs) And also Barrow's goal was like a great bit of strength as well to kind of take the touch in the box and then beef off two players before finishing. All over that. Beef, beef off. Them off. Beef yeah. them off. We need more of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and let's not forget the Gambia almost went out to Djibouti on penalties in preliminary qualifying back in 2019. Blimey. What a journey. What a, that so is a good. definition of a journey. That's Lord of the Rings stuff. That's a fel- <laughs> the fellowship of the Africa Cup of Nations. I, yeah. Frank, get the big eagle in. Take you all the <laughs> take way. Take you there, exactly. One of my mates is living out in the Gambia at the moment. I'm trying to get her to... She just sends, says it's all going off. Like, with joy, everyone's just, like, partying all the time at the moment. But I'm trying to get her to send some photos. But if you're listening from the Gambia, bloody send them in. I used to live um, with someone in halls of residence at uni from the Gambia. Ah. Prince Stuart. Yeah. Well, get him on. He'd be, yeah. loving, he'd be loving life, but for years, I'm sure he'd be loving life. <laughs> All right, so yeah, some tasty matchups in the next round. The Gambia now go on to play Cameroon in the quarterfinals. Let's get to Roy the boy, who's back in the big time, potentially. Watford have sacked Claudio Ranieri. We we saw it coming, not because we're clairvoyant, but because Watford like to sack their managers. Uh, Claudio Ranieri has gone after just over three months in charge. It's a quite extraordinary record, this fish. He picked up seven points in his 13 games, two of which, well, in fact, the two wins, if you remember, the 4-1 against Manchester United, that's not why I've come to you. And and Mm. the 5-2 against Everton. Yeah. What the hell? And a a draw with uh, Newcastle United. So the, the teams that they beat, both their managers... Then eventually went. Yeah, well. so yeah. it's almost like there's like, so it's like re- Watford do this. Yeah, it's to like, everybody. But the, yeah, they they have this like radioactive infection <laughs> that any, any team they're best has to get rid of their manager. But it's, it's not the greatest like attribute for a manager, though, is it? Like, oh, my wins are like fucking Haley's Comet. Like they're amazing yeah. Yeah. and really spectacular, but they come along every once every thirty-five years. And we happen to catch teams at their lowest end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this puts it into some context for you, but Watford have played 104 league matches under. How many league, how many league coaches? It's something like is it? It's either twelve or fifteen. Oh shit! No, it's not as many as that. Oh, Seven. Oh, okay, right. Oh, that's boring. Yeah. Your, your answer's much better. No, the stat I had was that when they when they fired Sean Dyche. Since then, Sean Dyche has had the same job 
And they've been through, I think, either 12 or 15. Yeah, that was 2012. I thought 104 yeah. league matches under seven different coaches sounded like loads. No, I've undermined you there. That yeah. is still a very... Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the whole point about Watford, to be semi-serious for a moment, is that I understand that they're, the way they like to do things is they're trying to create a stable environment um, for which a coach can slot in and, and slot out as and when they see fit, right? So... I think the helpful context to provide is a couple of weeks ago, when, or whenever it was last week, when Benitez moved on from Everton, we mm. were talking about the shortfalls in building an entire club around a manager, particularly today, because managers only last however long they last. And then if Benitez has been given the responsibility to make all these really big decisions, and then he goes, you kind of left with a load of players and a load of managers with no real identity. Yeah. And that's that's been a big part of Everton's problem. Now the other end of the scale is what Watford are trying to do, right? Where they they have a coach as I say can just slot in. The whole environment is set up for any coach to come in and be successful. And I mean, if you look at the size of club of Watford, it's definitely possible to make an argument that has worked in the past. Yeah, I just don't know if it's still working now. And it's no coincidence for example, the most impressive season they had in the Premier League where they got to the FA Cup final. They finished, they finished 10th. Uh, I think it was 11th. Oh, 11th. Maybe. Sorry, I'm it's, trying to boost them up. There's already around there. I to feel yeah. better this morning. That's all right. Uh, they, won't, they won't mind that. Um, is because they had a really strong spine, right? So they had like Deeney and um, Capu and mm. all those kind of players. And they just don't have that now. So I think all those things are in the mix. Mm. Um, I wonder what it's going to mean when Roy the Boy comes in because there, there can be miracles if you believe, Kate. So I like that you're announcing this news before it's officially happened. Um, will Roy get him going again? I like to think of a 74-year-old Roy Hodgson manager in the Premier League and that's all I've got to say on it. Me too. <laughs> Taking over from the 70-year-old Claudio Renner. Yeah, it's great stuff. For all the faults, at least they're not ageist. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well well done them. <laughs> Have um, you got an issue with what I said though? Does that make sense? I mean... I- yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, because that—that's how they're going about things. I don't have any issue with that per se. I, I think that, you know my, um, you know, the, my reasons for dismissing what they're doing in some ways because I feel like it always undermines the new manager coming in. Mm. But essentially, what what from my point of view, what Watford are trying to do is game a system that isn't necessarily well hasn't helped many a team, and we're going to go to talk about one of them in the second half, but. They've almost tried to make themselves as a vessel for modern football. And by that, I mean, one thing, I suppose, if you can't necessarily build a team through your own, I suppose, not ambition, but I suppose through your own focus, then what you can be is a vessel for Premier League football, for, you know, eyeballs, for all that money and get, well, basically attract the best players that you can on the guys that you help us out for two seasons, you can go anywhere else. Right. And I wonder if that is more conducive to having what you're saying is these managers dropping in and out and thinking, can you work with these two? No, fuck off then. You know, <laughs> yeah. And we'll get someone else in who can. Because if you look at a lot of their players, you know, I'm amazed they've kept hold of Saar for as long as they have. <laughs> Dennis is going to be the next one, you know, who's going to be picked up. You see a lot of their other players as well who've either been caught on the way down or coming up with them on the way up. And I do, yeah, there's, you know, 
I, I know there's you, not you're much thinking logic of Norwich to it. People like that, aren't no, you? I'm not thinking of Norwich. I'm I'm thinking of basically they're basically. So um, Pete referred to them yesterday as freelance managers. Yeah. Yeah. Watford are basically like we work, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what you mean. Come yeah. and use this workspace. Yeah. Do you know, do what you want and leave. Yeah. But yeah. you both seem to be saying that this is their, this is a, almost like a deliberate idea, and definitely I think of Watford. They have been in the past, and the, the way they presented themselves is to say like we're a kind of money ball situation. We've managed to outperform our our resources and our rank and all that okay. sort of thing. But the the reality is this new having a million new managers and them all changing um, in the middle of the season is a new thing because back in 2017, their CEO said, uh, I think it's a testament to all parties at the football club and our evaluation process. So emphasising that we're like thinking about things carefully. We don't like making knee jerk reactions or decisions because they are invariably wrong. And he goes on to talk about how it's stupid to change managers just because of one because bad Because they result. didn't do it during the season traditionally. Sure, they tried yeah. to. Yes, certainly they're trying to like have people fit into a system. I completely agree with you. But I think unfortunately it seems as though the guys in charge have lost sight of the approach they took because, yeah, yeah, okay, if Roy Hodgson comes in, we know he can, um, well, we know he can do a very good job with a number of Premier League sides. But it's not, it doesn't seem like it's kind of a structured, carefully considered, especially given that they were backing Ranieri at the 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 start of January. But the Ranieri thing is the key point here, I think, because for all you're saying there, which I completely accept, that's that seems to me then ultimately what we're talking about is it coming down to the quality of the coach they pick, mm, right? They yeah. have to get the right appointment or they're not going to sustain it. So the, the the issue is if you look at Ranieri, I know he's very popular here in, the, in in England and you know and rightly so. This is a manager probably who's showing some flickers of what is diminishing power. So second season at Leicester is, is disastrous. He, before that, I know he had the, the season in Leicester to say the least, which is amazing. Before that. Before that, at Greece, he was a disaster. You know, at Fulham, he was an absolute disaster. Yeah. He did a pretty good job at Sampdoria, rescuing them from relegation. I don't think it worked out for them at Roma, from what I can remember. And now you've got Watford. This isn't this isn't a manager, despite everything he achieved um, seven years ago, whatever it was. This isn't a manager who's consistently doing a good job. And yeah, so I, I think he's by, definitely not consistent. No, yeah. and by that, so by nature of that, it's going to be a gamble if you're operating that model and then hiring someone like Ranieri. You, ne- you don't really know what you're going to get. It's also, but people know now, don't they? They know what's going on. So well, yeah, they're not so going to be like, oh, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're like... Unless you want the payoff. Unless you want yeah, the payoff. Exactly. Maybe you are. They, might, they might still be polite. Yeah. They might say please. You just, yeah. You're very energetic with your please then. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it feels like, yeah, they're just constantly pressing reset, you know. Uh, and th- that's fine. But yeah, you've got to, you're going to be in a situation where you're just gonna, not going to get the calibre of manager that you want. Even if you're a young manager, you wouldn't dare touch that, would you? Also, oh, look, at the type, look at the type of football they're playing. What type of football do they play? Yeah, all, this all, is the other thing as well. It's really know, interesting. You don't know what type of football they play and all you know is you see mad stats that they haven't kept a clean sheet for about 16 years. Like, and, that's, and you can't, well, no matter what type of football you want to play, you can't be successful if you can see goals every single game, literally. But they've so that's got, part of it. But, but, they, but almost to counter that... Um, that lack of identity. They've got some very exciting players. You know, we named a few of them floor, but even someone like Imran Luzo, who's quite a little operator in midfield, he's someone who I don't really think other um, promoted sides, certainly other sides battling relegation, would think to buy. But they're like, it's good at distributing to ball, the ball to our fly wingers. So yeah, why don't, yeah. We, why don't we just get him in? It's um, <laughs> whoever comes in. And, and this will actually, this will be the, the really interesting thing with Roy because... By the end of his tenure at Palace, he got so caught up in wanting them to stay above, put their stay above water, that the football was 
pretty bland. But people knew he was leaving that, as well. Yeah, but it was only in that last season where they, you know, they signed Eze and signed, they had a couple of other players where it seemed like they were moving to a more expansive style of football, which is why they needed to move on from him. But it was interesting to see what he makes of this squad because there were a lot of very talented footballers in that squad. I don't know that there are a lot of willing grafters. More of this tomorrow, presumably, yeah. or we can laugh at our failed well, attempt to predict the future. With our three willing grafters, whoever they are on tomorrow. You, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. me, Brussel, and Marcus. There we go. Three grafters. They love the graft. They love Have Roy. a rest. <laughs> Have a rest, everybody, and listen to these. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Clash of the Titles is the podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head in a fight to the death as we decide which film does it better. And for the whole of January and February, we're taking film suggestions from you, our listeners. But he said to me, I was putting on, and because we've done the social network, and he's like, why are you doing all these good films? <laughs> and I said, oh, well, you know. And then I had to admit that every other people pick them <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Join me, Alex Zane, with Chris Tilly and Vicky Crompton every Monday and Thursday. Search Clash of the Titles wherever you get your pods.
If you're asking me whether Harry the Hornet, who I presume is the mascot, should dive in that way, I think it's disgraceful. <laughs> Sorry, Harry the Hornet, who I presume is the mascot, he absolutely fucking is the mascot. Why else would he be there, Roy? Yeah. yeah. Just lost, to be... on, lost on the way to fucking Chessington World of Adventures. <laughs> Just to be clear, that's not some leaked audio from the new appointment of Roy Hodgson. Yeah. <laughs> Harry the Hornet, the guy playing the Harry Hornet's thinking, well, I'm for the chop then. Yeah. <laughs> that was from his time as Crystal Palace manager. Welcome back to the Football Ramble with me, Vish and Luke in your ears today. Now it's time for these. Showfootballramble.com. 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 Did you get that? Yeah. That's that's from the uh, that will come from the, the box set retrospective of all yeah. musical work. <laughs> the raw, you know, like, you know. Sometimes when you see those YouTube videos where people have isolated like Otis Redding's vocal, on, yeah, like, yeah. sitting on the dock of the band, you can go, it's absolutely amazing. It's like that. It but, is like that, but more terrifying. Can we do a Beatles documentary of Pete and that jingle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nine hours. Yeah. Peter Jackson. Um, we've got an email here from Nick, um, and you know, for those of you of a sensitive disposition, oh, no. you might not want to. You might want to consider yourself warned. I don't know what. Nick's uh, medical credentials are as well so I should probably say that for, for, for all sorts of sensible reasons but Nick says in all the years I've been listening to your magnificent shows I wondered what expertise I might one day be able to contribute and then came today's earwax debate this was yesterday on the show um, yeah part- if you missed out yeah, you're partly responsible for that basically yeah. by the way don't try and distance yourself yeah. you're your watch. I actually need to release a statement about that but anyway carry on. add your earwax all over it <laughs> oh, uh, in a previous life one of my attempts to find a viable career resulted in a job repairing hearing aids ah. there we go um, spoiler alert 99% of the issues involved uh, something being clogged with wax or some other kind of grim residue what other residues could come from there don't, it doesn't specify um, I don't want to think about it. Many of them are moulded in the Rain. same way as the kind of earpieces worn by media folk and referees. Ah. However, it's worth noting that earwax is highly antibacterial, so actually it's probably the cleanest and most wholesome of your various bodily <laughs> deposits you could ingest. Also, sorry to Pete, but as a desensitised as I became to the sight of waxy clogs... <laughs> At no point have I ever felt the urge to chow down on my own. Perhaps I just lack the most basic level of human curiosity, but I'm betting I'm in the majority. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, yeah you are in the majority, surely. Yeah. I suppose it's a, the likelihood on Twitter. It seemed as though people were constantly eating that earwax. But I guess maybe if you're, if it's the less mainstream view, maybe you'd feel more motivated to contribute that because yeah. finally it was a chance to get out in the open. I the vocal minority. Just, yeah, I yeah. think yes. that's just in your right-wing echo chamber. I didn't yeah. see any yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pete has announced to me in the past that he used to get told off as a kid for continually sneaking into the kitchen and eating frozen sausages from the freezer. So, <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, and it may may well be worth a vital context pointing out that he suffers from quite a lot of stomach problems uh, as an adult. <laughs> I don't know if they're related. It's not for me to say. I'm not a medical professional, uh, but those facts uh, remain. Frozen sausages. Defrosting his stomach. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. Anyway, shirtfootballramble.com, <laughs> as you've heard m- nine million times already today, is the place to email in. Thanks so thank for reiterating that one. And yeah. don't forget also... You guys, get in your dilemmas or questions for Pep Talks tomorrow on the show. You can also tweet us at Football Ramble, please. Not about eating raw meat. No. I can't take it anymore. Uh, we want to talk to you now about Derby County because they have been having 
a tough old time. And uh, yesterday the EFL announced that they're going to have a meeting to discuss the future of Derby County, but it has been postponed because administrators are making additional progress. So that sounds semi-promising. The issue, or one, there's a number of issues in this whole situation, which include the fact that a couple of other clubs who were relegated as what they see what well, seems to be, although obviously this is being looked into by much higher powers and much greater intellects than my own, um, hopefully. Uh, what yeah, they, fingers what, crossed. <laughs> 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 Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough and Wickham, you know, have, have brought, um, or, or in one case, are trying to sue the EFL for the fact that they were effectively relegated when it then subsequently turns out that Derby County were kind of mismanaging their finances. The situation now is it looks as though Mel Morris, the owner, is, is effectively kind of run out of money and they're now vastly in debt so or run out of money that they, he wants to put into his into a football club and now as a result anyone who's going to take over the club is going to have to cancel out a debt of 60 million pounds yeah. amongst all of these other things so they're in, it's been really turbulent and difficult times we talked about it in the context of people of them being docked points of course and how what a good job Wayne Rooney is doing but um, we just wanted to talk a bit more about it because obviously we have lots of listeners who support Derby County and uh, it's just a really, really terrible time for you guys. It also speaks to a wider uh, discussion that is I think is vital to have around the how football is administered in this country, right? So, um, yeah, the, the, the thing you mentioned there about the Middlesbrough and Wickham um, situation, particularly as pertaining to Wickham, as far as I understand it, and I may be wrong, it won't be the first time I've been wrong, um, is um, that the... For example, the points penalty for what something they've effectively done in the season before is put, is put on the season after, and Wickham yeah. saying, "Well, hang on a minute, you know, the, the, the offence was committed then. You're getting punished now. As a result, we've been relegated." Middlesbrough have a slightly different issue, but around their around their around the playoffs and stuff like that. Ultimately, it comes down to having to sort out a load of difficult situations because it's not been set out in the first instance properly, and, and the relevant controls aren't in place to stop this kind of thing happening. Mm. Yeah, that's sixty odd million. Um, that's, that's owed. I think it's twenty odd million of it's owed to to the revenue. You know, to owed to HMRC, and that's changed because the laws have changed. They changed. I think they changed in twenty twenty because yeah, of the last, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, where they become a preferred creditor, whereas before they would only see, receive something like twenty five percent of yeah, the debt. So yeah. exactly. all that kind. Of, so the whole thing has been mismanaged from start to finish. What's really important here, and I do speak from a little bit of experience because the team I support went through this, is that the you know, football clubs used to be, and, 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 and to a, to a, to an extent, they still are. Focal points of communities, right? These are, this is a football club which is very important to many, many people yeah. and it affects their lives in a big way. It's easy for us to be in a studio talking about football as a job or out in press boxes or whatever it may be. This is a really important part of the community in Derby and, and everyone has a responsibility to try and work out how best to move forward. And what needs to happen is who, the authorities that are responsible, whether it be the Football League or the FA or whoever, have to show more leadership and put more con you know more control and checks and balances in place to stop this stuff happening because it's happening too often if you look at the stats of how many football league clubs for example are in some kind of financial difficulty mm. and relying um on on what i would call non-traditional unorthodox methods of continuing to exist even before covid it's far higher than it should be so i hope we don't keep seeing these isolated incidents of clubs being mismanaged and it not being linked together to a wider point about how football is run in this country. And I want to make that point clear because it is about Derby County. We sympathise with their fans. That's obviously first and foremost. Um, but actually, it's also about a, it speaks to a wider issue and something that we shouldn't ignore in our role as, as making a football show. Yeah, I, th I think the the thing that always strikes me with this kind of stuff is that 
people saw it coming, you know, a couple of years ago. Yes. When Mel Morris sold the ground, you know, it, it was done as this way to, obviously as a way to raise money, but it was done with a v- very clearly behind the scenes and certainly from people in the know that he was running out of money that he was willing to put in, but also this was a way of them to, you know, keep their ambitions going, which is part of, um, falls part into, partly into the case with that Middlesbrough are putting against uh, Derby County now. For example, they lost out on signing Martin Waghorn, I think yes, it was. Yes, this is exactly it. A few seasons ago, and it was off the back of the profit that they made from selling the ground, which they spent, I think, five or six million on on Waghorn signing. And they were registered as being in profit that season for the first time in multiple, exactly, multiple yeah. seasons. But it doesn't really mean It doesn't that. correlate, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were, obviously that, that was part of the points deduction they received because of that finagling of... Uh, you know of how it looked on the. <laughs> Sorry, on the, finagling. Uh, yeah, it's I love it. Is, that, is it technical? But, but, stuff? I think it is a little bit. The reason you further con- you know contextualise this is that the decision that's been made by people in charge at Derby County during that time have clearly made a calculation that the Premier League is some kind of mad promised land. Yes. That if they could just get there, everything will be fine. It's essentially the a incentives gi- are wrong. Yeah. It's a gigantic yeah. low percentage mm. gamble, a casino style gamble, and if it pays off. You're you're basically golden. You're gonna, you're not only going to be able to you know be a legend in that town um, or city, whatever. You're you're going to also be able to line, presumably pay yourself a huge king's ransom for as a reward for doing so. And it's so imbalanced. The gap between the Premier League and everyone else mm. is now so big that you can't you, know, you can't give people diminished responsibility because they're individuals making their own decisions. But it's almost like the, the situation is contributing to to some pretty poor decisions. And that's further evidence that football is broken. It's just completely broken. And the, the only reason we see this now is because Derby didn't get promoted in 2018-19 when they made the playoffs. Correct. Exactly. exactly. Had, had they been promoted, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, and it's the idea that there are many, many other clubs in that division right now doing similar-ish things or so, like maybe not even willingly but just th- throwing all their eggs in the Premier League basket and potentially going to be in a, in a situation where fuck three you know two years down the line we'll be having this conversation again in this exact setting about the exact same thing and what it looks like is it's the logical thing to do unfortunately because as you as you rightly say 2018-19 yeah and, and but there is the one thing I've noticed with this and, and there's a lot of you know people have tweeted us on the ramble about it to, to retweet various things we're obviously talking about it now there's obviously a lot of talk about the football family this and the football family that the interesting thing I see now and maybe it's because of the involvement of Wickham Wanderers in their relegation last year and, and Middlesbrough in the case that Steve Gibson is bringing against Derby County is that it feels a little bit more tribal than it used to if you if you notice, and I know Twitter isn't a great measure of anything, but I think if you notice a lot of the stories about Derby County now are full of other cha- uh, fans of other championship clubs who've either been through it before or might have thought that they were on the wrong end of you know this, this inflated Derby yeah. County that they played maybe a couple of years ago. Is a lot of people saying, you know what they? Oh God they got themselves into this mess. Mm. And I don't think it's necessarily something that the club needs to take responsibility of, but the idea that someone like Mel Morris can, you know, come out and, and be so public about how upset he is about this, that and the other, and how he's doing his best for the club. And it, I, I just it, I think there, there, is, there, is a, there is a sinister element to this that I think should be taken with a lot of the empathy and sympathy that Derby County and Derby County fans, fans especially, rightly deserve. Well, Fish, I mean, that, that thing you're talking about with Mel Morris, that happened during the Portsmouth example as well with Peter Story, who was basically in charge of the club and everything happened while he was working there. And yet he was 
basically just spinning and PRing yeah. over and over again to the point where the fans were like singing his name and stuff, not mm. really fully gripping the situation. That kind of aspect has been going on a while. I think to, to end on a little bit of better news, the Ram, Rams Trust have done an amazing job. And what you do see is you see the best of fans in this situation. Yeah. You see how powerful they can be, how passionate they are, and how really, yeah, just incredible they are to to, to raise awareness, to, to to force pressure on on decision makers, to, to raise money, to do campaigns, all the rest of it. So that's that's obviously a, a, a small silver line to the cloud. But the other one is that Derby is a club that there's never going to be a shortage of interest in people wanting to take the club over. And we have seen consistent talk that there are candidates to do so. They can, As you said, Kate, they're going to have to take on board a pretty big debt. Um, but what I'd like to see happen, and I don't believe this currently happens, is the Football League and the FA, or whoever is specifically um, tasked with overseeing this, needs to tell the football community more broadly what measures they're going to take to establish and to ensure that whoever takes over the club next and what their business plan is to, to, to maintain a sustainable model. Yeah. Because it's no good if, for example, Mike Ashley comes in, who's a, a multi-billionaire, and he says, well, I'm, I'm a billionaire, so it's fine. So what? Well, yeah. yeah, it's fine, Mike, until it's not. Yeah. Right? But that's the point here. It's fine <laughs> till it's not. Too many football clubs are propped up and owned by really wealthy individuals who are, by their nature, like it, human beings, can be capricious. And if they decide to leave, the whole house of cards comes crashing down. We have to move towards a sustainable model with these clubs, which sadly, again, when you turn that direction, has almost been rendered impossible by the, the way the Premier League behave. So there's no way out of this. But they need to show some leadership on it to ensure it doesn't keep happening. I think the difficult thing, I, we, you've, you guys have spoken so well about this, about the fact that, it, you know, this tribalism, people not perhaps fully grasping because you feel like they have hurt you, perhaps, if, if you've been in their league and have had a negative impact from them. I think, and then now we're talking about the billionaires who run the clubs. It's not about them. It's about the community of Derby County. And I think because we are so spoiled, we have such a luxury in this country of these nearly hundreds hundreds of football clubs that have been that were founded years and years ago people have been playing football in these areas for years if you think Derby yeah. County is about to celebrate their 138th birthday on the yeah. 5th of February think about that like the Statue of Liberty wasn't built yeah, yeah. 138 years old the Eiffel Tower wasn't up there's a whole load of states in the United States of America that didn't even yeah. exist as states when Derby County was first and yet there are no protections in place Correct. for these being this, you is, know, this yeah. is heritage and yeah. It, yeah of course it's more heritage if you live in Derby and have supported it your whole life but this is heritage of, of football generally and it's that's I think that's why it's important the totally, idea that well the, said, I, totally agree. the idea that people were going into the weekend's game wondering if that was going to be the last oh, Brian Glove derby yeah so sad yeah of course tremendous it really. and it's not it's not the fans fault and, and you know what I would say about the, you talked about tribalism as well it's a very quick point um, you know fans are far too quick generally rather than show a bit of solidarity and say do you know what we're all in the same situation here there by the grace yeah. of God go us are far too quick to sing songs mocking it and to talk about it and to laugh about it until it's them. And as soon as it's them, they feel like, well, why aren't we getting all the sympathy? Well, we're not getting the sympathy because the tribalism is so pronounced that actually you don't show any solidarity with rival clubs because you think it's it's funny because it's not happening to you. And mm. that's got to be addressed as well. There needs to be some kind of... Because it's not really enough for fans of a one particular club on an issue so big as this to, to just campaign on them set on their own. It needs to be a broader consensus. And, and I know lots of people like... You know, football Sports Association have done a lot of great work on it, but really, we, at that level, there's no real power. So it has to be as broad a church as possible and as well-supported as possible to further ensure that this thing doesn't happen again in the future. Yeah, we wish Dobby County fans all the best, but as as Luke says and as Vish has touched on, um, 
oh god I wish it would at some point be the catalyst for change yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing isn't it like, all I could think was like, obviously we talk about it and ideally we want to offer some solutions and in the end I'm like transparency or like don't sell to billionaires and it's just like all totally unworkable but we, one, one last thing don't before we move believing on people um so impressed with the players. I know Wayne Rooney gets a lot of the plaudits, yeah. but the fact that they've just, you know, I know they'd lost on the weekend, but the win against Sheffield United before that, when they lost, I think, a couple of players an hour before and stuff like oh that. Oh my it's, God, um, and saying goodbye to like real first team stalwarts and people important in the dressing yeah. room and then just playing on and trying to figure it out. They can't afford to lose any more members of that first team if they're going to pull this mm. off this great escape. Okay, it's nearly time to get out of here, but we just want to let you know that it's Tuesday. So Flo, Chloe and Rachel are back for a brand new episode of Upfront. They discuss the eventful weekend in the WSL, including those teams chasing the big guns at the top. And they're also going to look ahead to the FA Cup fourth round this weekend. If you head over to Football Ramble Presents, you can subscribe to that if you haven't already. On tomorrow's show, it is Marcus Vish is back and you'll also have the pleasure of Andy Brassel in your ears. Having Vish back on after that. Did I play, Did I go rogue when I mentioned who was going to be on tomorrow? No, oh, fine, I fine, like fine. it. A little yeah. Easter egg, mate. A little Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, but it, was, it was just a proper big fucking Easter egg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really yeah. obvious Easter egg. Yeah. Oh, yes. Don't, you don't even have to stay tuned. You can just leave us and get involved with tomorrow's Easter episode. egg all over your face. Yeah. yeah. Nice yeah. to see the lads back tomorrow. Good. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Luke. Time to get out of here. See you later. Bye, Vish. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to today's Football Ramble, part of the ACOS Creator Network. You went a bit Gollum there. Yeah, I really yeah. did. Shut up, Kate. <laughs> Shut up, Kate. Come on, let's check it. Say goodbye to these stupid fucking <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Acast and Befeller. 
Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcast og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt. Det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.